Welcome to WVU Marketing Horizons, hosted by Ruth Stevens and Cindy Greenboss. We are grateful to WVU, who offers renowned online master's degree programs in marketing communications. And this series is presented by the Reed College of Media as part of their ongoing marketing series. Thank you for joining us today. Cindy, we are so familiar with MarTech, which we've Mm -hmm. been following for years. It's been demonstrating amazing growth. But now, have you heard of sales tech? (laughs) It's a thing. actually. And it's actually growing. And we need to learn about this and see what it holds for marketers for the future. And we're lucky to have recruited Seth Mars to help us understand this. He's a senior analyst at Forrester, and he specializes in this topic. So, How about if we get him in here to explain what sales tech is and where it's going, shall we? Absolutely. Welcome, Seth. Welcome, Seth. Thank you. Well, I'm going to jump right in because this is really interesting. We know a lot about MarTech, right? Especially as marketers, there's a you know plethora of these unbelievable MarTech systems, and it just is like rabbits. They just keep you know replicating. It seems every year exponentially. But but what what is sales tech? Can you help us understand how that's different? Yeah, absolutely, and it's kind of starting to happen that way in sales where you used to have sellers working in CRM and not much else. And now there's sales tech everywhere. And I think that's largely due to the deficiencies that have come up in CRM and companies coming up with really unique ways to add value to a seller and to help sellers improve their performance or improve their efficiency some of the bigger things that have come on like sales engagement platforms, which are, I think is something we'll probably get into later. I think you're going to start seeing emerge into what, what people would call rev tech because as B2B sellers are, are working with customers, they're working across sales and marketing at the same time. So we're starting to see a lot of that combining, but sales tech is really around helping the seller improve efficiency helping the seller with insights that are valuable and and helping them close deals and prospect. And even more uh, importantly these days is as we're starting to see, like if you think about a seller's job, the the things that, that add value or add insights have traditionally been very hard to understand because the value of a seller is in their interaction between the buyer and them. And that's traditionally been off limits for the most part, right? Those conversations right. happened. They weren't, and, and they happened between two people or a group of people. And, it, and then you walk out of the room and it was whatever the seller said happened is what happened. But with tools like Gong, Chorus, some of these other conversation intelligence tools, and with the, the, with the pandemic coming on and everyone working from home, that sped up a new form of technology in sales tech, which is capturing those interactions and using natural language processing to understand what those interactions mean. And then taking that and translating that back to the seller and actually giving them insights that maybe they didn't know or aggregating insights together to form a conclusion around what's happening in the overall deal. So it's a really exciting time with sales and sales technology in general. It hasn't blown up yet to 
what you see in MarTech, but it's pretty significant in the grand scheme of things of what we've seen in sales um, from a technology standpoint. Pretty a, a very exciting space right now. Wow. So what? So yeah, go ahead, Cindy. Um, what are some of the um, companies that are doing this? Like some of the, the the platforms? Can you just share some of the names of of who's in this space today that we may recognize? Yeah, so I'll, I'll talk to <clears throat> as a bridge tool. So like to, to me, the bridge tool between sales and marketing are sales engagement platforms. And that that's basically taking you from marketing automation into semi-marketing, semi-automated, where you can do a lot of efficient work within how you send emails, working through cadences. You guys have probably heard that before. And I would say that some, some people would say that sales engagement platforms bridge into MarTech. Um, but that that those companies like Gong or companies like Chorus or or Salesloft, Outreach, Groove, those are the types of companies that are in that space that really focus on sales engagement. Then if you move over to, to revenue operations and intelligence, there's lots of companies that are focusing on these interactions-based work, interactions-based work, and then also on supporting sellers in forecasting. Forecasting is a huge deal in sales. So companies like Clary, Aviso, BoostUp focus on helping companies improve their forecasting. And then you have other companies like Mediafly and Gong that are really working with sellers to help them on the interaction side. And then there's tons of little systems that come into play. And then there's traditional platforms like sales performance management platforms that help sellers with planning, compensation management, and those types of things. But the real onslaught of new technology is happening at the forefront with that seller interaction. And then there's stuff happening behind the scenes where you, where you could look at it and they would be in your MarTech stack, but they're being used as sales technology or sales support. You're actually even seeing some companies, like we see companies that are using, that are building their own marketing type tech stack within sales and using it together. So it, it's, it's a fast merging world when it comes to technology and process for sales and marketing. And that's largely because buyers are saying, I'm going to contact the seller or a company whenever I, whenever, whenever I feel I need to contact them and in whatever, whichever form I would like to contact them. So I, I think you guys have probably heard the whole thing around research that was done in the past. It said 59% of interactions were done by, before the seller was ever engaged. Right. That's no longer true. Right now, the buyer has full control over when they engage and they'll engage whenever they want to. They may pull the buyer, they may pull the seller in right at the very beginning, or they may pull them at the very end, or they're going to go online and search for things, or they're going to look at content on the website. But that mosaic of how that comes together is, is buyer's choice. And they're engaging across all sorts of different avenues and in all sorts of different ways. So if you don't have a unified way to aggregate those details, then it becomes very hard to add value both to sales and marketing. So we're seeing a lot of push to consolidate those together. There's still a divide, don't get me wrong, but I think that's breaking down as, as we go. How interesting. Maybe this is another way along with ABM to... Um, get the gap between sales and marketing bridged. That's very exciting. But I'm also 
guessing from the way you've spoken that this is heavily a B2B angle, right? Is this, or are consumer sellers and buyers also using sales tech? Yeah, it is heavy B2B and where some of the biggest innovations are happening because the interactions are, there's more interactions involved in it. So what I see, I'm seeing innovation on the B2C side, but you're seeing things like call center-based technology around conversation intelligence where you're able to do really cool stuff around real-time scripting and real-time intervention if you see something going wrong. So a seller on a call talking to a customer, instead of in B2C, you can't afford to have a post call because the post call, it's already done and that deal's gone. So there are companies out there like Balto and Cresta that are building conversation intelligence technology that are informing the seller of insights and ways to improve their chances of winning a deal while they're on the call with the customer. So that's a really valuable insight. And then you have other companies like Martech and Invoca who are doing similar things, but they are reaching into the marketing side and they're doing attribution. So they're able to take mm-hmm. that call all the way back to the search and then bring it forward into comp- into into the phone call and then analyze what's said on the phone call to truly understand attribution. So it's it's changing the way those things work and it, it, which is which is really exciting because in the past that was very hard to do but they've mm-hmm. mer- they've merged that together and they're getting a lot better visibility much deeper into the the attribution cycle which is always a challenge right where do i attribute right. i can't see all of these different things now they're able to see almost the entire chain on how that how that prospect came to their site to the phone call and what they said on the phone call so it's happening there, but it's it's not as big because a lot of those are one-off transactions, but that technology is coming over. To a certain extent, it's even more advanced on that side, but the use case is different. Right. You know, I got a little bit nervous listening to you, Seth, being the marketer here, not a sales rep, and, and, and thinking about, you know, how hard us marketers have worked to um, gain a seat at the table, be taken seriously. You know, what MarTech did is give us, through that automation and metrics-driven communication, um, we got taken more seriously. We were allowed to give better um contacts and leads to the sales team and and, and kind of have a little parity in that uh, conversation with our peers. If sales now gets these fabulous tools and sales tech is following the money, sales tech to rev tech, what happens to us marketers and what happens to MarTech? This may become less important and sales takes the upper hand in the relationship. It's it's interesting because I, I hear sellers telling saying the same thing. I'm a little bit nervous because marketing is taking too big of a role in in this. I, I mean, my take on it is it's going to be rev tech over time, and that you you're going to have to be a unified team. We we do buyer insight study, and over sixty percent of the interactions are not with a with a seller or direct interactions. So marketing is heavily involved in engaging and in supporting the entire buyer's journey and that, that that buyer's process, the tricky part, which is going to be really interesting to see how it unfolds over time, what really needs to happen is you need to, and you need to eliminate marketing and you need to eliminate sales and you need to have a revenue team. And that revenue team is built to support the, the 
the buyer where they are in that journey with the best possible engagement that is that that company is capable of. That is a gigantic change in in from a sales and marketing standpoint. Both sides mm-hmm. are like, heck, no, that ain't that isn't going to happen. But if you think about it as a buyer who's going to engage the way they want to, they aren't beholden to what marketing and sales and how they want to engage, although that is challenge, right? Because marketing still tries to engage that way. Sales still tries to engage that way. I mean, we still see, like when you get into pipeline management, it's sellers are like, well, it's all mine now, leave me alone. And it's like, why would I leave you alone? Why don't you work with marketing so you have digital engagement on top of your in-person engagement? Wouldn't that help considering that more than 50% of the interactions that are happening with a, with a buyer are digital? So why don't you work together so you can win more? But that collaboration hasn't started yet, but it's going to need to. Companies are going to start figuring out, wait a second, this is how our buyers want to engage. And just because we have these two silos in our company, we can't have these silos and really engage at the level we want to. And we're seeing that, by the way, like revenue teams are a thing. Like there's there's companies oh, that's the fastest growing. If you look at marketing and sales, we, we've had we've had analysts that have gone through and looked at it. The fastest growing roles are revenue roles. Now, I would say there's a there's a debate and I would say some of that's a facade right now where you'll say, oh, I'm going to have a revenue leader. But then the revenue leader has a sales leader and a marketing leader and it all kind of changed down from there. <laughs> but in the future, looking at the way a buyer wants to buy, especially in the B2B space, you're kind of doing yourself a disservice if you're not completely aligned and meeting that buyer's every every interaction with that buyer with an informed uh, an informed set of data information and what they want for that step. Wow. Well. Can you share with us, um, without giving away any secrets, some examples of companies who you think are at the front end of this, not the bleeding edge, but have started to um, embrace this? Revenue team mm-hmm. concept. Yeah. yeah. Um, we did a really a really good case study around this with Siemens. Um, our uh, a colleague of mine, Terry Flaherty, Vicki Brown, they've been working with Siemens around this and they've moved to, we, you've probably, I don't know if you've heard us talk about this, but one of the things that our marketing teams are really doing is saying you need to eliminate leads. Leads are no longer relevant in the buying process and go to opportunities only, which marketers go, what the, but it's, it's huge. Think about if you're trying to collaborate, right? And you're trying to collaborate and on deals, not not trying to determine credit for marketing and credit for sales, but just trying to really work with with your buyer where they are. The best thing you could do is have a space for sales and marketing to work together. And in order to have that space, you need to understand who you're dealing with, what the buying group is, because we all know in big, complex deals, it's a buying group. It's not a single prospect. And you need to know where where it goes and where it fits into your total market. Well, a lead does neither of those things. And in a lot of cases, what we see what we see with marketing is you'll get five leads from a company that'll come in, and then four of them will be disqualified as duplicate, and one will be passed to the seller. Well, me as a seller, I need all five of those because all that does is enhance the potential of that deal. Because if I have five people looking compared to one person looking. 
then I, I, I know something different and I can, I can put things together. So the opportunity enables you to do that. Now it's a massive shift and our teams have done a lot to do it. And the Siemens example, they've actually moved to this big gigantic company has moved to opportunities and buying groups for how they manage their entire cycle. So that's, that's a very forward looking step. That's a very big, big push. Um, and we have other companies trying to do it, but there's a lot of emotion with it. Um, and it's very hard to do, right. but that's the starting point that gives you the shell to work with that you can start pouring all those interactions in and having a good discussion and a good set of steps that I take when I see an intent signal that comes in, this is what I do and how that intent signal informs the seller's next step and those types of things. So if in this beautiful future where the sales tech concept has kind of stepped in to force us to integrate MarTech and sales tech into a, a rev tech future. And the salespeople and marketing people, despite their decades, centuries of animosity, are pulled kicking and screaming into harmony. Then what does the technology look like? Do, do we throw out our CRM systems and replace them? Or what, what, what do you think, you know, te technically, the new tools are going to uh, yeah, sound I mean, like? To me, C CRM, and I've written on this, is it, it doesn't suit the needs of really anything. It's a static database. I mean, think about all the tools in MarTech and and... Um, MarTech is just as powerful, like MarTech and sales tech, they're, they're merged in a lot of different ways, but think about some of the enrichment that a lot of these companies have today in technology. Why on earth would you have a CRM, which is a static database as your source of truth when you can connect to a Zoom info or any, any even a people.ai that are enriching your, your opportunity, your contacts and your accounts constantly. So they're always up to date versus your static database, something's going to have to change there. But in the perfect world, you're going to have that information in. Um, ABM systems are going to have to move deeper than the account and get into a, a opportunity base where they're identifying. One of the gaps with ABM systems is they work at the account level and sellers work at the mm -hmm. prospect level. So there's work that needs to be done to smooth it. Now, there's tons of value in that. But you can think of it from the perspective of signal that, you know, if I'm getting a faint signal, marketing is, is the best to work with faint signals because you have the most efficient tools to be able to engage those signals and enrich them. If you think of a seller standpoint, they're the most expensive resource to engage with the prospect. So you don't want to give anything to them until that, until that is to a level where it's worth that investment. So I think you're gonna see tools along the entire spectrum that are in place that engage or set companies up to engage. Like when you think sales engagement systems, one of the things that you look at is with sales engagement, why do I need a marketing automation tool? Well, today you do need them because there's things you can do in marketing automation. But if you're thinking about the, all the different ways you can engage with a customer, why would you have two tools for that instead of one? Imagine if you had one tool where sales and marketing are working together that can go from full automation all the way to full seller engagement. 
you'd want that tool if you're a collaborative team and it'd be frustrating to you if you had two separate ones. Today, that that's kind of a wall of leave me alone. I've got it if it's fully automated to, you know, then I give it to a seller and that usually a BDR team would work in between there. But I think you're going to see that technology start to merge together. There's a lot of positives with sales tech for marketing. In yeah. the past, you'd never be, have been able to see the interactions. Now that I'm recording all these interactions, and we believe you can record up to 80% of the interactions that a seller has with all their clients. So if you can get 80% of the interaction, then what's said, think about what that's going to do to helping you understand your attribution, to understand the impact of marketing on that deal, all that stuff. And we're already seeing that in certain use cases where marketers will go into a product like, like Chorus. And they'll look up keywords to be able to see how often our competitors mentioned, how often, how often do they mention our specific tagline that we put in to see what how, how it's resonating. That's just going to get better and better. So I, I it's still very separate, but I think the there's a lot of positives on both sides that can be leveraged. Like I think of CDPs on the marketing side. You ask a seller about a CDP, they don't even know what we're talking what we're what you're talking right. about. But that's a hugely valuable tool, especially if it gets to the point that it can enrich your contact and account data. Right. Wow, you have given us a ton to think <laughs> about. This is so thrilling. And um, Cindy, I think we're gonna have a good conversation. <laughs> My so, goodness, you bet, Seth. This is just like mind opening in the um, sales and marketing divide. This might be what we need to bridge the gap finally. Thank you so much, Seth. Yeah, thank you for having me. Exciting times, a little scary too because of all the change, but lots of opportunity. You're here. Cindy, wasn't that an incredible incredibly rich conversation. I, I feel like my head hurts from all of the new ideas, but my heart sings because the future looks so promising. It was really spectacular uh, having Seth Mars and it did really open our eyes. You know, you and I talk so much about marketing and the changes in the marketing landscape, but, but he really introduced a whole new idea to us, didn't he? Right. Revenue teams, rev yes. revenue ops being the future of not only marketing, but also sales. How thrilling. And we've heard the word rev ops, but I always considered it. Um, I, I actually, I think I, I didn't really understand what, what it means and how revolutionary the whole concept really is because it's taking the marketing function and the sales function and sort of throwing them out the window and coming up with a new approach altogether. Yes. I mean, when he said that, you know, now the buyer has full control, we've always been saying that. And in B2B, we've always known that the buyer does so much before they signal any interest to us and get on our radar. But, you know, when he said, you know, they they have all the rules now and um, it's buyer's choice, which means uh, everything needs to be rethought. And this idea of no more sales, no more marketing, but digital plus personal engagement in one united team. I mean, can you imagine how a revolutionary, but 
you know, mm. as we heard, there's going to be a lot of hand wringing over this concept and turf fighting amongst both sides. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> Indeed. Yeah, this kind of dramatic change is not easy, but how encouraging that companies yes. are already well down the road in experimenting with this stuff. And I was also fascinated that, well, he said the 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 root of this change, it comes from the demand on the buyer side, that they just mm -hmm. want to interact with us the way they want to. And it's across the entire um, buying process, the entire relationship. But also that the introduction of sales tech has uh, stimulated or or accelerated the change because it's shown everybody that the a siloed technology strategy of martech here and sales tech there just doesn't work and things right. are really what what they're boiling down to is we we need to have uh a real-time relationship with our prospects at the account level and more importantly, at the buying group level. Yeah. Yes, which you talk about all the time, Ruth. And thrilled. you know how you're always sharing how the buying groups are getting bigger. They're getting more complex. You share that information with us all the time. Um, and, and I thought it was interesting when he talked about that the seller interactions where the real action is now, right? It was, we as marketers would say, we've got all of this visibility into every touch point on the journey. And then you hand it over to sales and it's like my lead. This is my relationship. And who knew how that all worked? And he said, we're going to take tech plus process plus personal engagement and bring this all together. And that these systems, this technology he was talking about can record up to 80% of interaction between a buyer and a seller. It was just an, it was astonishing through all this capturing conversational communication, aggregating insights. I mean, and, and NLP. Was, yeah, I, I loved it. And so then, that way, the marketers have a bead on what is going on in the conversations between the salespeople and the the customer, and mm -hmm. we are really focusing on opportunities and buying groups only, and leads will be eliminated. Long live the lead. <laughs> Oh my goodness. So no more, you know, Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross. Hey, I love that. <laughs> but how vivid to think that when a a, a seller, meaning a, a selling a company like ours, would have five so-called leads and they're either duplicated or so-called unqualified, but the the engagement manager known as formerly known as the salesperson or the uh, business development rep actually needs to have insight into all five of those interactions. We don't want to eliminate them. So this is not only an opportunity for new technology, but also a whole new organizational structure and job functions and can't wait. And it, and he also made it sound 
like a benefit for both salespeople and marketing people. Absolutely, because you know the whole discussion around is it an MQL, a marketing qualified lead? Is it an SQL, a sales qualified lead? Putting people in those buckets. If you look at having all five of those engagement opportunities, then it's like they all interact with each other instead of having to pigeonhole them into this, you know, what is now an antiquated way of looking at the way individual buyers behave and Mm -hmm. individual sellers need to engage. And I was also encouraged that there are B2C angles here too, Mm -hmm. mostly at the call center level with these tools allowing real-time scripting and real-time intervention. Man, that could improve the customer experience uh, in in a really exciting way. Cindy, let's go digest all this and get our heads around it and share it with our audience. There definitely was another thought that, of course, you knew that, you know, was going to catch, you know, my ear, uh, Ruth. And and that was um, his comments around ABM and CRM. What did you think of, of his comment that, you know, CRM doesn't suit the needs of the modern marketer any longer? Yeah, it. He made a very compelling case, and boy, I can't think of a salesperson or marketing person who wouldn't be happy to say goodbye to that to the CRM tool. <laughs> They've been frustrated by it forever. Um, now, let's also remind ourselves that every time a new tool comes along and we say, "Oh, this is going to be the silver bullet that improves our lives," uh, it's not always the helper that we were sold on. So we have to keep uh, a realistic view of things. But gee, I, I loved this session and kill that. Well, we're also going to get some great access to those names that he mentioned. We'll be able in the blog to give uh, some of the names that he referenced uh, that have some quirky uh, spellings as well as links to some of that great uh, resource material so our listeners can follow up and, and learn even more. So Ruth, thank you so much for bringing Seth Myers from Forrester onto our podcast today. Thanks. That was great. You've been listening to WVU Marketing Horizons, hosted by Ruth Stevens and Cindy Greenglass. Please be sure to visit go.wvu.edu slash mctoday to view our upcoming conversations, listen to previous discussions, and subscribe to receive updates.